0: In today's show, we're going to be talking Chicago Bulls with Hayes, one of the hosts of the Locked On Bulls podcast, Michael
1: Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast. Let's get to it.
0: Let's get to it, indeed.
1: You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast
0: at Redrock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we're available on all platforms. We're here. It is August the 12th. Here And you'll maybe listen to this on August the 11th because that's how time zones work. But it is, of course, Antoine Walker's birthday. Happy birthday to him. Happy birthday to Chris Middleton as well. And um, happy birthday to you if your birthday happens to be today. We're going to be talking about the Chicago Bulls today. A lot of interesting things to go through with this team. it? Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> All right. Let's talk to one of those hosts of the Locked On Bulls podcast. Hayes. Welcome to Locked On Fantasy Basketball.
1: Thank you for having me. It's
0: good to have you here, man. First time you're on the show. You're a you know, recently new host, uh, you and Pat, over on Locked On Bulls. I'm going to grill you with some really tough questions about this uh, about this Chicago team. We'll uh, We'll go through some stuff that is pretty interesting with this squad. And first off, the first thing we cover when we're doing these is what's happening, who's in, who's out. They didn't do a huge amount in the offseason. Andre Drummond comes in. Goran Dragic comes in. They drafted Dalen Terry. And then Justin Lewis is there on a two-way. And they don't lose much either. Troy Brown, Tristan Thompson, Matt Thomas, Tyler Cook, Malcolm Hill, who all played some minutes with the team last season. So would you say that, you know, I think you have to say that, you know, going from Tristan Thompson to Andre Drummond is an upgrade. But overall, with the offseason, were you a little disappointed with the lack of action from the Bulls?
1: I did expect more action from the Bulls. I think that, you know, I I expected them to try to use that full mid-level exception. Um, They did not do so. But I'm not necessarily disappointed. I think Andre Drummond, when you look at the advanced stats for Andre Drummond, um, what he brings defensively, the fact if you give him 22 minutes, he's going to give you a double-double, whether that's starting or off the bench. I like it. Uh, for what he is, um, but and I try to put my own expectations to the side uh, of what I wanted them to do. Uh, and then the Goran Dragic signing is a little bit the, the biggest question mark for me there, uh, considering we needed a little bit more size, considering the guard is our deepest position. I didn't really expect the Bulls to go after another guard, but I know considering the injuries and things, they wanted a little bit more depth and insurance there. Um, but yeah, I mean overall, I was I was pretty. I'm I'm pretty okay with the Bulls offseason. I'm not I'm not overwhelmed. I'm not underwhelmed. I'm just whelmed is the way I've been <laughs> describing it. So whelmed,
0: whelmed is a good description of it. I think the, the Drag one was weird because they have so many ball handlers. Like that is what they have, and okay. there's just no forward-sized players really. Like there's just not many of those guys at all. And we're going to talk about this a little bit later on. But some guards are going to have to miss out on playing time, especially with some of these quotes that I don't know how you interpret them from Dragon saying, Yeah, I've got a chance and I'm going to be playing twenty minutes a tonight, blah, like, whatever he said, but there's just so many guys who we are going to be in that mix for minutes that um it is going to be weird to try and work it out but i reckon the big question hayes that people have with this bulls team is injuries like let's start with yeah. the big one what
1: on earth is going on with lonzo ball i wish i knew i wish i had a better answer for you like it's so up and down like you hear one minute oh well he's ex- they're expecting him to be uh ready by the start of the season then you get uh uh our uh, bat- president of basketball operations. Um, uh, Karnasova, who in an interview said, you know, he's not progressing the way that we would want him to, which then goes back to raising questions. You have his dad, who Lavar, take what he says with a grain of salt, says he'll be ready. So there's a lot of questions around Lonzo Ball's knee. The fact that he was originally slated to go to only be out six to eight weeks, and we're now quadruple that amount of time. It, it's a it's a lot of questions there um that hope to, hope to be answered by the opening of training camp. Hopefully,
0: oh. it's. It sounds hyperbolic but you say 6 to 8 weeks it's legitimately been 6 to 8 months like this is something yeah. that happened in January and we're in August and we still have no idea and it's not very often like you hear an athlete that have surgery oh, I was a successful surgery well Lonzo's one was like yeah it wasn't actually it didn't work like whatever we did didn't work and we had to try it again and it didn't work again and that makes me really worried as to what this is with the knee. Like it's a meniscus injury. There's probably some sort of bone bruise in there and that can take a long time to heal. But the fact that they've had multiple cracks at trying to fix it and it doesn't seem to be fixing it. And the thing that you always hear from organizations is, oh, it's progressing well. Everything's going well, successful. And they're just saying, yeah, maybe not. That gives me some real worry as to maybe he's ready opening night, but I don't think you can expect a full season, or a fucking okay, he was playing a ton of minutes last season before that injury. I, I maybe that is why they've just got so many ball handlers because they're not expecting more than 50 games at Alonso.
1: Could be, could yeah. very well be. That's um, that's a problem. I- yeah, I mean, with Lonzo, the question with Lonzo Ball is always going to be the health, right? And, mm. you know, I think sometimes it's bone a little bit out of proportions. The last two seasons before this, he played almost 86% of the games available. Now, taken away from that, he has had some major injury concerns early in the season. And the last time he had this exact same this exact same injury, he was out a year. So it's... That type of questioning is, is is always going to be around with Lonzo. How durable is he? How healthy can he stay? Um, but I think you have some built-in insurance with both Alex Caruso and Io DeSumo, who uh, played very great for us last season. So you have some of that. Now you have the veteran in Goran Dragic as well. So I guess we'll see.
0: And we want to go from Lonzo Ball. It's Zach Levine had a knee injury, which was cloudy I guess there's nothing structurally wrong we'll just go in and cut him up with uh, uh, post-season surgery what actually happened with Levine's knee because it clearly bothered him down the stretch and he dropped off pretty considerably I thought in those last couple of months he had to have some some time off and then again when they say there's no structural damage but let's just you know cut open and maybe see if we need to change something structurally that's got to be a concern but what we don't actually know what happened do we
1: well, I mean, he he needed he needed a, a routine scope, and actually, when you have a torn ACL, mm. um, about two or three years later, most people end up getting a scope to kind of drain some of that fluid, kind of clean that out a little bit, and that's basically what, at least from what we reported, was what happened, so when you look at ACL injuries, this is pretty typical along that timeline of it happening, I am a little bit worried about just how much it was bothering him over the course of the season, and yeah, they said it's not structural, so Hopefully he said that he's going to be completely ready to go. We've seen him doing alley-oops off the wall and jumping out the gym. So hopefully everything's legitimate there. But the one thing that gives me a little bit more confidence in Zach Levine's knee than Lonzo's knee is that since Levine has had that initial knee surgery, he's been fine. The knee hasn't been given him any issues. He's actually almost maybe even a better athlete than what he was before the knee surgery. So if everything is true and it wasn't anything structural, it was just a scope to kind of clean that out, I trust that he's going to be back and be himself for the most part.
0: Yeah, I do expect him to be back to begin the season. I guess my worry there is more that like if he if it grinds down over the course of the season, if yeah. we head to that same problem in March, where maybe it becomes uh, more of an issue and there's flare-ups occurring because again, it, it did. Yeah, you know, he did cause a, a pretty significant drop-off in his production down the stretch, and you could tell that he was hampered in that March, April, and, and into the playoffs. But before we talk a little bit more about the Bulls, Hayes, so I got to talk about Bet Online because, of course, you, you know it's the fastest and it's the easiest way to check in on all of your betting needs, and you can find all. Of your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, Major League Baseball, the NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, eSports, and even golf. You a Bears fan, Hayes?
1: Absolutely. Okay, Absolutely.
0: so they've got a preseason game coming up against the Chiefs. They're not at BetOnline. They've got a listed as a pick so, massive faith in uh, Justin Fields in that game. So, if you wanted to have a, have a crack at uh, Justin Fields and the Bears in a preseason game against the Chiefs, you can. Bet Online's got all that information for you over there. Live in game betting, scores, podcasts, everything you need for sports wagering. Bet Online has you covered. So, head, on, head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. Bet Online is where the game starts. Speaking of starting. Um, I just realized that on my graphic, I've got something wrong. So I'm going to pause this recording and go and fix it. All right, now with, with the magic of editing and pausing <laughs> recordings, we're back. And yeah, my segue was so good talking about starting. Now we're going to talk, Hayes, about your projected starting five. And I would ha- find it really hard to find anyone who would argue with this uh, five-man grouping. Lonzo Ball, Zach Levine, Demar DeRozan, Pat Williams, and Nikola Vucevic. There's your starting five even if you were trying to play contrarian i can't see what else you could do with that group
1: i mean that's that's the starting five everybody fully healthy that's the starting five there's no question about that um and yeah I, and you know we didn't really get to see much of the starting five But what we did get to see of the starting five uh look looked pretty good we just didn't get to see very many minutes of all that that grouping of five players together
0: yeah Of course, we had Pat Williams out after five games and then Lonzo was out and he missed big chunks of the season and we never got to see that group. The the tougher part is, the questionable part is what happens with the bench group because I'm going to put up who you think those five guys coming off the bench, the main five guys, and that's going to change, of course, with injuries and things. But you've got uh, Caruso, Dasunmu, Javante Green, Derek Jones Jr. and Andre Drummond. And there are two names that absolutely just stand out there that aren't on that list, and that is Goran Dragic. And Kobe White, because as I said, we've got Caruso and Dusunmu. So where does Dragic fit in? Where the hell does Kobe White fit in? You can't play four point guards coming off the bench. Um, this it, it is it is a tough one because you could argue that Dragic and White are better players than Green and Jones, but there's not enough size or defense with those players. So that's a weird wat- roster construction. And it makes a challenge for Billy Donovan as to how to fit all those guys in.
1: I mean, looking at the way Billy Donovan used, and even when you asked me this and asked for the list, I really sat there and mowed over this very heavily. But Alex Caruso and de DeSumo are the ones that I, I think they're going to get minutes regardless. Yep. Uh, we saw Billy Donovan use Derrick Jones Jr. before we got Tristan Thompson as the backup center last season. And he was pretty solid in that role before he went down with an injury. So I think that he'll slot in and play some minutes at the four. Drummond is getting his minutes, period. That's why you brought him in. And then I look at Javante Green. He's the, the reason why I want Javante Green on this list over Kobe White, even though Kobe White is projected to be a much better scorer, even with his inconsistencies, is that Javante Green playing, played undersized starting power forward last season, and if Billy Donovan trusts a six three six four player to play a power forward, I imagine being able to play him at a more natural position at the three slash, maybe even some minutes at the four, Javante is going to be, could be a dog for us off the bench. Um, and I think even to start the season, Kobe White may be getting more minutes than what I project. But um, I just look at that as these are the players that, because of because of several different things, unless, unless Marco Samanovich comes in and he proves that he can, play at the NBA level I think this is going to be the main players off the bench and you mentioned Goran Dragic so I went and I mauled over that interview which was originally translated and Goran never really said that he was promised 20 to 25 minutes it's more of an interpretation thing I just don't see Goran Dragic getting 20 to 25 minutes on this team with when fully healthy I just don't see it so
0: he's not that good anymore as simple as that like we saw him for Brooklyn like he was okay but like you don't want him playing you don't want him playing 20 minutes and yeah. Caruso and Desunmo were better than him like the Kobe White discussion is up in the air I think Green is going to lose minutes a lot from he played 23 minutes a night last season and I don't think that's a realistic expectation for him exactly. this season yeah. and you know who knows how it goes cuz he does have some offensive limitations in terms of shooting but there are just a lot of options here for for Billy Donovan in terms of finding the right combination. And you're right, yeah, Caruso, Desunmu, Drummond, they're all go- they're going to get their minutes. And then you've got just mixes of guys that depending, I guess, on what you need and what the opponents are throwing out there on, on a given night. Now, we're going to talk about some young players here. I want to talk about Pat Williams a little bit later on. Desunmu, again, much like Javante, he played 27 minutes a night last season. Do you expect mm. him to play more or less this season?
1: wouldn't expect him to play more because a lot of those minutes came because he was basically our starting point guard for half the season
0: he's playing about Um, 39 minutes a night at one straight as well
1: yeah yeah so i i don't expect him to get more minutes than that but i do expect uh desumo to get about 20 22 minutes per game off the bench he's just shown that ability he can guard either guard position um i think he even has a little bit more offensive potential than what we saw last year he passed up a lot of open shots because of confidence things like that i think Io coming in with a second year, he's going to get his minutes. And, you know, he earned those minutes last season, so I expect him to get it. Dalen Terry on this list is the biggest thing to me. That's the biggest question mark because we've like we we've seen it in the offseason. Dalen Terry, is he's worked out with DeMar DeRozan. He's done the five-on-five five workouts. He was there working out with Paul George, with Patrick Williams. I think he's going to be primed to come in, and and his energy, athleticism, and defense could get him minutes early in the season. If, if he finds success... In those minutes, he can completely blow up uh, what my ex- what my expected bench roster is, especially considering he can play the two and the three. And our uh, our president said that he wants to see Dalen Terry play some small ball four as well. So he could change some things. And then Marco Samanovic on that list. Like Marco's offensive skill set is amazing. Like he has an offensive skill set that not many big men have. It's can he stand up and do enough defensively. Like defensively last season in the few minutes that he played, he just looked – Terrible, not just bad, but terrible. And so we'll see what happens with that.
0: With Terry, it is interesting because you talked about Javante Green. Like Green's six three, Terry's six seven, right? So if he yeah. shows any sort of capability, like that extra size out on the wing, like again similar to a role that Troy Brown played last season, Terry could yeah. slide in there. The problem with I have with Terry is he was just so anemic usage wise at Arizona, and when you're in a college situation, your usage is like fourteen percent. It's not usually a great sign in terms of being able to have that sort of aggression offensively in the NBA. It doesn't it, high usage is normally a pretty good indicator of guys coming through and at really low usage when you are a guy handling the ball so much. It's something to to worry about just if he might get completely lost uh, offensively. Um, so we've got to watch to see how that goes. But the size is there, the ball handling is there, and yeah, there is that opportunity in that rotation for him to get there. We'll talk, I think we're going to talk about Kobe White a little bit later, so I might leave that question for then. But I said, we're going to talk Pat Williams. We're going to do that right now. What realistic improvements can he make in his game? Because they're going to run that starting five out, most likely, and he's probably still going to be the fifth offensive option in that group. Um, he shoots a solid percentage from three, but he really doesn't take any of them. No one cares like to go out and guard him out there. What's the step for him? Is it more offensive aggression? Is it becoming higher in the offensive pecking order? I don't really see how that happens. Is it more defensive um, playmaking? What is it that he takes? Because Bulls fans love this bloke. They think there's so much potential. The, the sky is absolutely, uh, the roof is the ceiling for him with with how his potential goes. But what can he actually do to improve?
1: Well, I think we've seen Patrick Williams in times where he is giving more opportunity. He can take on a bigger offense. Below, last game of the season um, against Minnesota when we saw a lot of our starters and it was him and Anthony Edwards out there against each other, he played great. And then even towards the backhand of the uh, – back in the playoffs, I think the last two playoff games he scored in both double digits had one of the use, highest usage rates of that playoff series. So I think really when it comes to Patrick Williams, it's all about confidence. It's about the shots that he gets naturally over the course of the offense – Taking those confidently, he passed up some shots. But I also think it's going to be the coaching staff using him in situations to where they aren't afraid to put the ball in his hand more and see how he performs and let him earn a higher spot in that pecking order on the offense.
0: His last three games in the playoffs are actually wild. Game five against the Bucs, it was 23 points on 13 shots with one rebound and zero assist. The game four, he had 20 and 10 on 13 shots, 54% shooting, but no assists in either of those games. And then game three, he scored one point on zero of nine shooting. So yeah. I guess, yeah, if I'm going to throw an answer in here, what can he improve on? Like consistency. Like that. that is wildly inconsistent just across everywhere there. And like do he has got to do something in terms of if the shot's not falling, you're not getting the shots, can you contribute something else? Because one assist in those three playoff games is low zero steals in the last two games. Like for a guy that's playing the four and being a defensive playmaker, he needs to do a little bit more there. And it just, it doesn't feel realistic for him to be getting 13 to 14 shots a night uh, with those other offensive players around him in that starting group. So while we look at him, he's turned 21, he's in year three, we expect improvements. Just how do those things figure in and figuring, figuring out that consistency is going to be the, uh, the tough question. Now, I did reference it a little bit, the offensive hierarchy. I expected, I'm not sure how you viewed this at the start of last season, that it would still be Zach Levine as the number one and DeRozan sort of sliding in as a 1B, getting a little bit lower than Levine, but it wasn't the case. DeRozan had the highest usage on this team. He was the number one offensive guy and Levine sort of slotted in and Vooch was a distant sort of third in that group. Is any reason to expect that that's going to change like DeRozan had a 32% usage to Levine's 29 and then you had Vooch at 24 like do you expect that still to be DeRozan is the one and Levine's the two
1: well that was that's skewed because I think Levine hurt his thumb early that's in the true. season and then the knee and then that because before prior to that Zach Levine was only averaging 1.3 less shots than DeMar DeRozan per game so i still expect DeMar to get more shots just by the nature of how DeMar gets his offense. The fact that he's a more limited offensive player uh, as far as he doesn't, he primarily just operates in the mid-range and very rarely is, is at the three-point line. So that's that's going to stay the same. I think that DeMar is always going to average more shots. What I want to see from Zach Levine is, be, is up that use. We saw his efficiency grow every season. He's been a Chicago Bull except this past season. So if that can continue and Zach Levine needs to do more off the ball, I do think they're going to be more 1A than 1B than one a 1 in it, too. That's what I think.
0: Levine did have the best true shooting out of those main guys. DeRozan was at 59, Levine was at 61. So that's highly efficient on such a high usage. Yeah. And yeah, I, th- I think it would benefit the team if they came more close to being equal rather than DeRozan dominating that ball. But you're right, there was that stretch where DeRozan went crazy and Levine was dealing with that thumb issue. And that did skew some of those numbers there, but yeah. it is going to be intriguing to see if there is any um, wholesale changes that DeRozan or Levine or Donovan makes in terms of shot distribution. Now, I think we know the answer to this already, but I'd pre-prepared this question. In terms of all the guards, there's Desunmu, there's White, there's Caruso. Who's the priority there? Because it, it doesn't appear to be. And and this is just a sidetrack. People are always, you know, especially playing fantasy, they overvalue rookies. And I'll always throw out, there's going to be one to two busts in that top 10 guaranteed. And Kobe White, like three years ago, is picked seven in the first round. And yeah, he's likely not being in the rotation this season.
1: I think Kobe's going to be in the rotation. He's just going to have to earn to stay in that rotation because there's going to be people nipping at his heels for those minutes that are maybe not the offensive players, but they give more consistently on both both sides of the ball. Kobe White, to me, uh, I, I hesitate to call him a bust. When you look at it, he was – first two seasons he was trying to force to be a point guard what we found out is that he wasn't a point guard second season he started off with the injury billy donovan i also think made kobe white more of a spot-up shooter when he's actually more of a scorer and i think that the bulls just aren't the right situation to cultivate kobe white anymore now that they're actually trying to contend fight for a playoff spot they really don't have the time to give kobe white 20 23 minutes a night every single night if he's not performing but throughout three months of that season Kobe White averaged 16 points per game on 40% shooting from the field and 43% shooting from, from three-point range. I think it was – was it January, February, and March? Or it may have been December, January, and February. But he he averaged really good efficiency and numbers off of it. It just wasn't consistent. There's a good player in Kobe White. I just think that the time may come to where the Bulls look at and say, hey, we, we just don't have time to try to develop you anymore, Kobe.
0: Yeah, I reckon we might talk about that in just a couple of minutes because, yeah, yeah you're you're right. Like, I think he can be an okay player. I, I do think yeah. that, but I don't think that he's... Normally, if you've got someone at pick seven, you're hoping they can develop into a starter and maybe a sub all-star-ish sort of a player. And yeah, when we talk about Ball, Levine, Caruso, Dusunmu, like, they're all four of those all guys ahead. as guards. They're all ahead of him, right? And yeah. then 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 there's Dragic, and then there's Terry and So where does he fit into that mix? Like, he's a better player than Dragic, but... They brought Dragage in for some sort of reason. So where is Kobe feeding into that? And I talked about this. I did a Dynasty mock draft the other day, and Matt Lawson was talking about, like, hey, if you want to like get someone who might have an opportunity to push forward in a year or two in a different situation, like, it's a good opportunity to buy low on a Kobe White who is only 22 and, and does have you know really high scoring upside, just those other parts of his game probably just need to come around. In terms of a breakout candidate on this team, however you want to you use the definition of that, who do you think that would be?
1: I'm, I'm, I I try to say Patrick Williams because he's going to be a starter. He's going to get the most opportunity. Um, but he has to show the aggression. And one player that mm-hmm. has shown the aggression, has shown the confidence, that has shown versatility on both sides, is Io DeSumo. He's also, surprisingly enough, in a contract year and only his second year in the NBA because the Bulls only gave him a two-year contract as a second-round pick. So uh, they may have to pay him considerably coming in. But I think Io DeSumo, if that scoring ability that we saw in college comes in a little bit more with the defensive intensity that he get that he gives, I think he's he has a chance to break out and be one of the better bench guards in the NBA. The
0: real opportunity for him is if there is more problems with Lonzo and they just slide him in and he... Yeah, they say well, we just can't rely on Lonzo, so Dasunmu is now our starting point guard. Now he did what he did, the damage. There was a lot of situations where there was just bunches of players out, and he was playing like forty nine, not forty nine, like forty minutes a night, and the shooting was really, really high level, and it did drop off as the season went on. He only had a usage of 14% and and averaged eight points in in 27 minutes, which when you boil it down, he is pretty low aggression offensively. Um, But yeah, finding how he fits in there. there, But there is an opportunity that he starts more games and he comes off the bench, depending on the health of Lonzo and and maybe Levine, depending on how that works. So he's an interesting one. What about regression, who do you think might take a step back from last season?
1: That's a great question. Um. My mind would almost go to Vooch, but I don't think so. If anything, if we're talking about well, – even DeMar, I don't think he's going to take a huge step back. If we're going to go regression, I would have to say Vooch. And the reason why I would say Nikola Vucevic is he's he's older. Um, he's a big man. We see that some big men gra- uh, age more gracefully than others. Now, Vooch's game isn't be- based off athleticism, so he may age gracefully, but – I think we may also see just by the nature of depending more on Lonzo Ball, if he's healthy, if they try to get Patrick Williams more possessions, I think that comes from taking some possessions away from Vooch. So I, I would say Vooch is probably the best candidate there.
0: He'd already suffered a regression last season. His shooting numbers yeah. dropped off. Um, the usage dropped down and, and you're right. Look, it could From the 24 usage, he could go to 23, 22. He averaged 17.5 and 11, like if that ended up being 16 and 10, I don't think that's a huge surprise again, given those other guys on the team and the other offensive opportunities that might be spread around. I think that's a decent one um, to, to list there. What about the team overall? Are they better than last season?
1: If fully healthy, yes. And that's, that's the thing I like, I think that this team with betting on continuity with a, hopefully Billy Donovan using certain players better than he utilized them last season. um, And as I keep saying, health, 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 health is the biggest thing. But also having that defensive center in Andre Drummond coming off the bench, I, I while like the signing of Andre Drummond doesn't like ring bells. I think the sum of the parts bringing Andre Drummond and what he what he can be he's he's a generational defensive player when you really look at the numbers and the advanced analytics. I think it could have a bigger impact than some Bulls fans are thinking. So I think the Bulls are going to be better la- uh, than last season. Again, health being the keyword.
0: Hayes, I would uh, I would love to check in with you in about three months after you've seen Andre Drummond play for your team and see how uh, how hyped you are about him because I think. The high rebounding numbers elevate some of his stuff. And while he did improve as a backup yeah. and sort of found his role, he can be one of the most frustrating defensive players that's oh, that's, for sure. that's out there. And I reckon uh, he might he might quickly get the ire of Bulls fans if he's doing some of the stupid stuff that he did when he was on the Lakers or on the Cavs, even a little bit on the Nets. I think some of his numbers overrate his impact. So it'll be very interesting to see Bulls... Um, Bulls fans' opinion of him when we hit into January. I right, I sort of prefaced this question before. Who's the most likely player in this roster to be traded?
1: Kobe White. Yep. That's I, not even a quote. Yeah, it <laughs> has Kobe to be. It, it, yeah. it has
0: to be, really. Like, I don't see, I don't know what they get for him. It might only be like a second round pick or something like that. But I, it's just, there's to, even to do him a favor and favor for agents, like he's just sitting there doing nothing, really. Uh, yeah, and not the role that he probably needs. And there are other teams that could use him. So. I, look, do you think he'd be
1: traded before the season starts? No, I don't think there's any chance of him being traded before the season starts. I think they've explored that. There was not much there that they, to their liking. Um, and I think they're going to be content to let this ride out, see how he plays at the beginning of the season to see if he can up their trade value. But I, I don't think that anything happens before the season.
0: Now it's time for me to ask you some quiz, quiz questions. Everyone who's listened to this show so far knows what these questions are about, but it's based on, these advanced stats from the website Basketball Index, which looks at these three things, that it, well, it looks at hundreds of different stats, but these are the three things I'll be looking at. Three-point shooting talent, playmaking talent, and finishing talent. So it's not who had the best three-point percentage. It's the guys that took difficult shots and they went in, and the volume and the time of those shots. Playmaking is not about the highest assists. It's about you know, assist volume, versatility, difficulty of passes, getting teammates open, um, you know, assists at the rim and three-point corner shots. So that's you know, who's the best passer? And finishing talent, it's not just getting putbacks and finishing at the rim. It's who can get to the rim and who you know, finishes through contact and finishes through traffic. So just, I want to see how these numbers match up with the people who cover the teams when they talk about who is the best, you know, who's the guy you want to have the ball shooting a three in any sort of circumstance and who's the guy that's getting guys open and creating um, plays for others. Like, So I want to see how this matches up. So let's ask you this question. Who do you think is the best Three point shooting talent who graded out with the highest three point shooting talent on this team. Um, yeah, Lonzo Ball shot forty two percent from three for reference. Pat Williams shot fifty two percent from three in his limited games. But who is to you the th- the highest graded three point shooting talent on this team?
1: I'm talking about just from last season.
0: Just from last season. Yep, Lonzo Ball. Hmm. Lonzo Ball shot well, but it was in oh. fact Zach Levine. Zach Levine because okay. because of his volume and take like Lonzo, Lonzo has improved out of sight as a three-point shooter. He is a really good, and he was really close to Levine in this, to be honest, but it's, Levine shot 39% um, from three, seven attempts per game, but it's the difficulty and the pull-ups, whereas Lonzo's not taking those pull-up threes, and that that's fair. factors into it. Now, playmaking talent. Who's the best playmaker? Who is the guy that's getting guys open with the versatility of passes and the difficulty of passes and getting guys in the right spot? There's a lot of, there's a lot of, these ones are really close. There's a lot of close names on these lists. I would say,
1: like DeMar, Vooch and Lonzo probably all got to be relatively close on that list. Maybe Alex Caruso sneaks in there as well, but he didn't play very many games last season.
0: The answer oh. is... Oh, no, go ahead. Give, give us a final answer. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Give it to us. Give it to us. The answer is Lonzo Ball. It is it is Lonzo okay. Ball. He is a guy that, you know, especially in transition, yeah. really really moves this team along when he's out there. Absolutely. So his loss was huge. And his ability to find those teammates in the right spots. But as a finisher, who do you think is the best finishing player on this DeMarco team? DeMar
1: DeRozan. Hmm.
0: Interesting. It was actually Zach Levine. Because Zach Levine, DeRozan, wow. DeRozan he, the free throws are good, but he doesn't get to the rim as much. And as as we're going to talk about in a second as well, just to give a little bit of a, a clue to the next question, that um, his, his mid-range stuff is just so much higher than what he does anywhere else on the court, where Levine is like, I'm yeah. taking threes or I'm getting to the rim. Whereas DeMar, DeMar will just pull up and, and take those mid ranges. So that le- leads me to the last question here, Hayes. In the past nine seasons, that's the data that basketball Index has tracked. How many players have had a better better mid-range shooting season? They have these mid-range shooting grades, like mid-range shooting talent, which takes into your volume, difficulty of shots, how much they go in, all that sort of stuff. How many players have had a better mid-range shooting season than DeMar DeRozan had last season? Zero. The answer is zero. It is. He had the best mid-range shooting season probably ever or at least in those last nine seasons that basketball index. Interestingly, the next highest one was Kevin Durant from last season, and then the next okay. highest one there was DeRozan from, I think, one of his Toronto seasons, but the value he provided was like double what he did in that third best season ever, basically, as a mid-range shooter. So that's... When we talked regression earlier, you did mention DeMar. I think at age... What is he, 33? Like, he's 33. not... He's 33. Like, a historic mid-range shooting season... I think there is some risk that he still goes, he's still a very good mid-range guy, but it drops back from being otherworldly, exceptional, best ever, to dropping back, and that maybe hurts some
1: of what he did, because it was actually unbelievable what he was doing. Yeah, I mean, he bo- he broke a Wilt Chamberlain record last season, so that's, <laughs> and anytime somebody has statistically their best season at the age of, at that point, 32, you have to kind of think that it's going to be hard to duplicate that, so that's fair.
0: He averaged 28 points per game, 50% shooting, hit 52% on twos. And I said, if, like if if that mid-range shooting drops and he goes to 50% from two and he averages 25 points per game, it's still really good, but it's not at that unbelievable level that he was at, which it just kept going and going. Go, How is this happening? And then you look back at the numbers and go, yeah, it was literally the best mid-range shooting season yeah, or in recent history, in recent NBA history, which, yeah, makes sense given what we saw. Hayes, that's it. We're done. So tell everybody... A, where they can find you social media and what you guys have got going on over on Locked On Bulls.
1: Yeah, you can follow me at CEO Hayes, that's C-E-O-H-A-I-Z-E. And as far as Locked On Bulls, we are still dropping episodes daily, five days a week. And you can find some of the best Bulls talk around the whole internet. Go
0: over and check out Hayes and Pat over on Locked On Bulls. Of course, you guys are going to love it over there, especially if you're a Bulls fan. But even if you're not, there's lots of great info that those guys are dropping. Hayes, thanks for coming on Locked On Fantasy Basketball with me anytime. And that'll do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. If you are here on YouTube, thumb it up and leave your comments down below. We're going to do a Kings show tomorrow. So stay tuned for that one. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.